Welcome to Southpaws, episode 389, Fursona Non Grata. I'm Saverin. I'm Fuzzle. I'm Shiva. And I'm Kai. Welcome to the show, Kai. We have a guest this week. Oh, look at that. When we're doing remote shows still, we can actually get guests on. It's a little bit harder to do when we are in person and have a person on Skype, or, well, in this case, Discord. Yeah. But we're glad to have you this week, Kai. We're going to talk about some of the topics we talked in our last episode, which came out on, like, the 4th. So it's been a couple weeks before since we've recorded anything, um, just because real life and all that. But we're here, vaxxed and waxed, and doing otherwise okay. So, well, I'm half vaxxed. Hey, every little bit helps. It's some real peace of mind, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. It was actually really nice because, you know, we actually, Fuzz, Shiva, and I, actually got to sit down and just talk face-to-face on her patio. They did hookah, and I just kind of sat there and we chatted. I threw the tennis ball to Bo and all this other fun stuff. It was like, holy shit, catching up with people face-to-face sure is nice. And I really hope that everybody can get their vac soon and uh, be able to do that again themselves, because it really does help the old mental state. Definitely. Yeah, but being able to actually see people again has been a a big heck of a deal as far as um, my mental health is concerned. I have to say, it was really nice seeing you guys, like, two weekends. Yeah. I'm already making plans to visit some of my work buddies up in Milwaukee. Like, that's a bit on the longer-term things. I'd love to go and see some friends that are out of the area, but still gotta get more people vaxxed, I think, before I really feel comfortable doing that and going out. Like, mm-hmm. be up, going out too far, it's like, I've extended my bubble. I'm gonna drive out to Fort Worth here the next couple days, provided it doesn't storm tomorrow, because my parents need their lawn mode, and that's fine, I can do that, no problem. So it's like, okay, I'll drive out to Fort Worth, and then, like, I've driven out to Weatherford, but then it's still, like, my bubble is still pretty small. I still don't go very far away from the house, still. And it's going to take time to to reacclimate to not only being around other people, but just traveling any real distance. One of the big unfortunate things about Anthrocon being canceled this year was that that drive is like the Iron Man, to me, of driving to cons. It's like 1,260 miles one way. And, whoops, didn't get that to do that this year, but maybe next time. Yeah, the furthest I might be going for a con is a siesta later this year. At this rate. But it is nice. Uh, We have cons starting to come back. And uh, first of all, well, I don't know if they're first. They're still very soon. Um, But Denfer got themselves into the furry news this last week. Not for any bad reason, but the fact that they have put forth their rules and regulations and how they're going to basically be forced to run the con. We've talked about this in the past that now that the states are quote unquote opened back up and we're. Mm basically throwing caution to the wind, which, I mean, Biden got his 200 million vaccination doses out in his first 100 days, which is very impressive and a good thing um, for the United States, but... It's up to 200 now, a little yeah, over. which is very impressive. Now we just need to give the rest of the world the vaccine? That would be great. Now with states opening up, any convention slated past a certain point this year is basically being forced to go on eh, more or less a gunpoint. Megaplex got this treatment... MFM got this treatment, uh, Furry Siesta got this treatment, and so too Denver. Denver is happening in August 2022nd and 2021 in Colorado. Denver, Colorado, obviously Denver. 
and they put forth their rules. They did say that if you're not comfy with it, they'll roll your registration to 2022. Should the event somehow be postponed again, and any registrations purchased after this announcement can be refunded or transferred to 2022, they are talking about their vendors. They actually just made a full-on press release, so it was very well formatted and, and produced. So one of the big things, too, is that, like, they put forth all their restrictions, which is important to know. It's like, all right, how are they going to try to mitigate the risk of attending a large in-person event as we're reaching the tail end of the pandemic? One of the things is like all staff and attendees will be required to be vaccinated and provide proof of vaccination, which is good. Everybody that has gotten their their vax card, you know, one thing that's uh, important to note, though, it's not just the card that's your proof vaccination. It's that you're registered with your local health department. So like if you try to fake a card and through some reason they want to like actually double check the database and you're not on there, I'll get your ass in trouble. And we'll get to that and part in a minute. out an entire local health department? Um, it's probably an online database they can reference. Like I'm not actually sure what the mechanics of that would be in like actual practice. But there's most furries that are going to operate in good faith, I would think, would have their card and be like, yo, check it. I got my, my Fauci ouchie or whatever they want to call it. And mm -hmm. you, Fuzz, you have yours in like a badge holder. Like I have no yeah, doubt that. Ajax got us all badge holders. I actually clicked it to a lanyard. And so uh, it's basically for a, my badge for vaccine con. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And that's good, though. I wouldn't recommend, like, doing that at a convention because it does have your legal name and all that on there. But, yeah. like, for purposes of amusement, that is pretty funny. But we're going to have to have some sort of holder because they don't fit in your wallet necessarily. And I got, like, a cute little spellbook purse, but I'm not going to carry that everywhere. So, anyways, so, got to be vaccinated. Screening for staff and attendees daily with identification. They've been screened for contact tracing purposes required by the city. Like, they have to basically run their event by the rules of the city. Like, they have to go forward, but they also have to, like, dance to the tune of Denver. Any staff or attendees required to wear a mask in public spaces. Um, you must wear them correctly. Uh, they want people wearing masks under costumes and suits. Face shields are not an acceptable alternative. Massive vent holes or padding that allows for complete airflow will not be allowed. Basically, don't be a dork that puts one of those, like, orange bags over your face. You know, the little ones that just stretch out. It's like, it's a mask. Nope. Does not work that way. That's uh, a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kai. People will maliciously comply with mask mandates if they, if they want to. Like, there is a woman who, uh, she was arrested during the January 6th insurrection and was released from prison, but as a requirement for her release, she had to wear a mask when going out in public. And she posted a picture of herself to Instagram with this, like, extremely open mesh, quote-unquote, face mask. And <laughs> then this was reported to the judge, and the judge was like, hey, you want to, like, tell me how that counts as a valid mask and why I shouldn't revoke your bail and put you back into prison, like, now? So I don't know if anything's like happened that. with that, but yes, people will maliciously comply or put on, like, like perfunctory masks that are just like, oh, we just put on a pair, put a pair of pantyhose over your face. It doesn't, doesn't work, guys. Like, <laughs> if we're not doing this because it's fun or fashionable, we're doing it because we don't want to get sick. Though, I will say... I love the fact that we all have, like, furry masks and patterned masks and all that. Yeah, it's very good. All spaces will be restricted to 50% capacity or max 500 people. Uh, keep your social distance. Theater tall seating will be spaced 
Tables allowing for a 10-person capacity are spaced out. Dancing is allowed in groups of six. Don't dance too close. Leave room for furry Jesus. <laughs> Main stage seats will be spaced away to allow performers to not wear a mask. Doing an uh, in-person concert with a mask on might be a little bit of a problem, but that's okay. Um, exhibit tables will be six foot apart, so the vendor hall will be cut down, probably. But again, that's fine. All food and beverages will be prepackaged. There will be dairy designated for that. A uh, COVID release form will be important. Hand sanitizing, hourly cleaning... Uh, congregation in public spaces will only be allowed in designated seating areas, so you don't have people, I guess. It's going to be really hard to, like, shoo people out of the way, because you know how furries cluster at cons? It's like, oh, this person's talking, and they just kind of attract people in, so they're going to have to, like, go down the halls with brooms being like, shoo, go, go, go outside, (laughs) shoo. And then staff will be provided with masks, hand sanitizers, bottles, refill station, etc. As per Denver's current regulations, at-risk populations and persons with a heightened risk of exposing others to COVID-19, i.e. not vaccinated, cannot attend an in-person event. Basically, they're just like, look, we have to do this, like, we have to run the con, but we're also going to make some in-person rules to try to, like, you know, comply with Denver and also be able to have a fun time at the con. And I'm like, shit, good luck. The, the only reason that this announcement really became more of a noted thing in the fandom, though, is that some dumb shit immediately after that was like, oh, don't worry, guys, you can make yourself a fake vaccination card and just get in that way. You don't have to get the vaccine. Just make a card and show up. And... Imagine me moving to Denver, and this is the first time I have a chance to go to Denver. I see this wonderful news that there's a way for me to do it, and right below it is this... It's like, I'm going to fuck up your event by refusing the vaccine and willfully exposing every other person there. Like, what kind of utter dipshit does this? Needless to say, people got very mad about this, as well they should, and pointed out that forging federal documents, specifically documents that have the CDC logo on it, is a federal crime subject to large fines and possibly prison time. So to own the libs because you don't want to get the free vaccine, you could, in fact, catch a $5,000 fine and go to jail. And not just regular jail, but federal jail. That is the true price of freedom. Yes. (laughs) I will get so much freedom by spending 23 hours a day in a cube because I didn't want to get a vaccine to go to the furry dog person convention. (laughs) It's important business. It really is astounding how far people will try to go. Like, on one hand, I don't envy them having to try to verify this stuff on the fly. But on the other, that's really the only way that we're going to get cons to come back, because we all are going to have to go and be vaccinated to show up. Because no convention wants to be the con where some dipshit didn't get their vax, got the sniffles, turns out it's COVID, and they expose 4,000 people. Because, you know, one person floating around, coughing and sneezing and being an idiot, recirculated air in an interior space, that's just a bad time. Like, you would have to get every single person COVID tested after that. And that's not even for, like, people that are with that are like immunocompromised because like at this according to this rules like if you're immunocompromised and can't get the vaccine you just can't come and that sucks but it's also kind of for your own protection like if you can't get the vaccine you can still catch it and if you're going to a convention where there's 
dipshits that were saying, oh, no, just fake your card and show up anyway. Mm-hmm. That's that's the risk vector right there. Like, even if know, everybody's trying to play but, nice. Because you know those dipshits are being less than careful in their regular life. So they're going to bring it with you if anybody is. Yeah, the people that, like, walk around with it, like, around their, under their chin. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got my mask on. No, dude, come on. I had to go to the grocery store today. And there was some dude that was just, like, walking through the store with his down around his chin. And I'm just like, man, you're, you're technically wearing a mask. Good for you, old man. You're, like, <laughs> 60. So maybe you'll be out of concern in a while if you're not careful. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm still going around masked up. I'm not going places with people, you know, just by virtue of... Well, let's get everybody vaxxed first. But I see these people that are just kind of running around laissez-faire, not giving a shit. It's like, well, I mean, that's your health. Like, I I know enough people that have had long-term COVID complications, parents included, well, mom included, that uh, I certainly don't want to catch it and don't want to wish it on anybody, really. The thing is, is it's not just their health are at risk. I mean, they're basically carting it around with them. Yeah. In other news, I think that's really cool, and uh, was one of my kind of points that I had with, uh, wasn't super thrilled with, like, Corgi events, because it's what was, is an LLC. They actually are moving to become a 501c3, become a proper nonprofit after a few years of this. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. So I don't envy them having to try to do a 501c3 in multiple states, because they do a number of events around the country and i don't know how that works like don't you have to register the 51c3 in each state you do business in oh gosh and they have stuff in arizona denver california and minnesota mm. at least so <laughs> good luck to that guy it's like no no fucking lie oh. like that's that's a lot of work that you're going to be doing but it will put you into a better position in terms of like the fan of perception of you yeah good luck and congratulations to them yeah like it's a lot of work but you get to say look at me i'm i'm important members of a 501c3 charity so if anything you can put that shit on a resume you know congrats to corgi events i wish them all the luck in the world i mean august is a few months away you know we're recording on april 22nd they've got a few months to get everything into uh into order and uh Hopefully it will go off without a hitch. Like, that's the thing. It's like everyone's looking at the first con that comes back. And, mm-hmm. like, nobody wants that to be a super spreader event. And it's going to be really weird. Furries have gone kind of feral online. And so, like, how are they going to react in person? Mm-hmm. It'll probably be those images where, it's like, you have two dogs, like, flipping out at each other on opposite sides of the fence. And the gates open and they just kind of stop and sniff each other. Yeah. And the gate closes, and they are back to being like, bark, 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 bark. But then it opens again, and they're like, oh, hi. Hopefully it'll be that, and not, like, people taking their online beefs into the real world. I, I do have some big concerns about, like, how people have behaved towards each other online, like, bleeding into real life. But then also, like, if it does happen at conventions, those people will be, like, dealt with by con security. So it's like, well... Yeah, you know, we can have beef online, but if this person decides to really get up in your grill at a con, just get con security and yeet them out of there. The whole Denver thing, it's cool, but that one person that decided that they were going to show their whole ass, and then they got the name of that person, and then, like, every convention under the sun talked and was like, hey, can you send us this information? <laughs> um, because, yeah, it turns out conventions do talk. 
and we don't really need a reason to ban your ass, but it helps. But like doing something egregious like this and making yourself into an actual public health issue, that is a uh, big deal that is going to get the cons talking. She um, did end up deleting the tweet, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. screen caps are forever, but mm. like that person, real massive of an individual, it seems like, but they became the furry Twitter main character of the day, which nobody wants to be. Mm. Mm. Apparently, they are a furry raider. Oh, fun. Oh, gosh. Was... Yeah, according to some of the things I saw, responses I saw to the to the tweet thread. So it's like, well, that, that makes sense. Of course. I mean, they are kind of uh, based out of, I mean, like, they, they were up in Colorado previously, because, like, all the weirdo yeah, sobsits and all that stuff. Yep, and they're, they're all around there. The fuck those guys? So in other fandoms news that was very unfortunate, um, so, what, last week, week and a half ago, there was a mass shooting at a FedEx facility in, uh, I think Minnesota. Oh, God. And yeah. the... It was Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And, um, Siam knows people that work there. He's Ooh. from Indianapolis. That's mm-hmm. fucked up. Um... Yeah. Condolences. As far as I know, they're okay, but still, it hit a little close to home. Yeah, and anytime, like, people are like, boy, White Boy Summer really is kicking off, because we have been having a lot of mass shootings in the news as of late, and that's not great. It's like, hey, look, everybody's opening up and congregating in person, and now, whoops, people are going nuts with their guns again. That's stupid. So the, the person that did this mass shooting was, like, 19 years old little beanpole of a freak and one of the most stupid things to focus on really because this person was involved in like white supremacist websites they'd had like a meme page where like hitler was the reincarnation of jesus and other shit but right before he did his murder and he posted onto his facebook that if he he hopes when he dies he gets to go to the afterlife and be with applejack the horse from my little pony so needless to say this has put a very big spotlight on what remains of the brony fandom here in 2021 and thankfully there have been some people that have been trying very hard to steer the course of the the remaining brony fandom to basically try to kick out their nazis goes by wootmaster he is a musician in the pony community uh, he played a couple times at Nightmare Nights. He and his girlfriend, like, mutuals and all that fun shit. Um, but he made a thread that ended up with 585 retweets, 243 quote tweets, and a couple thousand likes. Basically being like, look, guys, this sucks. But being like, this isn't who we are is not going to actually address the problem or do anything to solve it. And it got a lot of retweets both in the furry community and the pony community, but also, like, anti-fascists like Rich Evans and various like larger leftist things and i even saw and i showed this to fuzz and ajax where there was an exchange between someone being like oh well this is it's not like we had a choice to let them in or not we can't stop people liking something and every fandom has a dark side it's unfortunate but it is what it is and neil fucking gaiman replies like you know almost Mm -hmm. a year ago the atlantic was writing about how there was a choice and the choice was to let in the nazis like linking an article about my little pony fans are ready to admit they have a nazi problem which came out last year and personally if neil gaiman 
told me I was full of shit on Twitter.com, I might have to reevaluate the existence of my Twitter account. So it's been very interesting to see somebody I know end up with a very broad reaching thread about like approaching the white supremacy problem in the pony community because part of the reason that we bailed i bailed from the pony community was that boy howdy there sure is a lot of nazis here and when it came down to it for like nightmare nights the choice was like our razor thin margins were like either we can kick out all the nazis and end up in the red or we can <laughs> tolerate these fuckers and make our budget but then we have to tolerate these Nazis. So we chose option C, which was pull the plug as soon as our contract ran out. And that was what we did. And so we bailed out because we weren't going to play this game anymore. and We weren't going to tolerate the horse Nazis. And this was in 2017. And like there have been various high profile within the pony community issues of like, hey, you know, the third most popular OC and one of the two that are not actually just the self-insert self character Anon is the Nazi pony Ariane, who is a white, blonde-maned, blue-eyed horse with a little heart cutie mark with a swastika in it. And Derpaboru, the largest website that hosts that shit, and the, the art site in the fandom, similar to E621, they had a very big internal fight whereupon they were going to kick out the horse Nazis, and then they backtracked. They backed off it. And all they did was change the default filter settings to just automatically exclude anything related to that character and Nazi stuff in general. But if you just change your settings, it's all right there to see. And so the pony community, because it is sort of like, there, there's no new fans coming to the pony community. So it's this shrinking locus of people that, like, there's some of these people that are still hardcore onto the horse train, and that, like, most of the good people came over here to the furry fandom. Well, most people in general. Um, some of them not so great. But it's been a real, like, we've seen the struggle before. Like, the, the furry community did this back when, well, <laughs> we've been doing it for a long time. But there was a podcast interview on uh, Worst Year Ever. It was a two-parter about how the furry fandom stood mm -hmm. up and fought against the Nazis in our community. And that issue, that got cited a lot in the replies. But one of the most uh, unfortunate things, too, is that, like, Woot's just been getting attacked constantly. Oh, you're trying to tear this fandom apart. You're trying to, uh, to ruin the eyes uh, of this. It's like, look, guys, you're wanting a negative piece. And, like, that's something that we've had to, like, work really hard to try to excise from our communities as well. Like, yeah. you can't just not talk about it because it's still there, even if you're, like, pretending I do not see it. In any event, the fandom itself is having a bit of a reckoning because, like, when this happened, like, all EQD posted about it was like, man, that sucks, but Pony fans should be ready for a backlash. Like, they didn't really spend much time on the situation beyond, like, oh, that sucks. Fandoms, fan beware. Not... This is terrible, and we condemn it. What the fuck? Just well, like, of course not, since you know it came out that the guy that runs it is a fucking MAGA chud. Yeah, right? that was a real unfortunate finding out. And that's one of the things that uh, that what's his name put in his thread was that the the big sites like EQD have been enabling this shit. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if he's a MAGA guy, why would he bother to push back on the the, the alt-right contingent of the bronies, you know? 
they're his people. And so yeah, the, the rock comes from the top down. And it sucks because EQD is basically the pony news site anymore because everybody else quit. Like mm-hmm. Derpy News, everybody else went off to be a furry and or gay and or <laughs> trans. Yeah. Like there was another one that just like stopped even the 4chan one horse news stopped posting anything but eqd's chugging along it sounds like they're poisoned as it is and it's unfortunate too because like they've put they've previously posted articles like no the main six aren't gay or there shouldn't be gay relationships in the horse show which this was posted in like 2018 2017 when by the end of the show you have canonical married horse lesbians and applejack and rainbow dash are lesbians together so you have byron bonbon bon, and then you have applejack and rainbow dash like okay that's just uh that's how it ended up and like yeah that was all subtext and shit and then they finally were just like hey here's some text Bloom. but mm-hmm. you know you you have this contingent where it's like nope they can't be gay nope they can't do this nope and it's it was frustrating, too, because, like, pushback against queer stuff was always there in the Pony fandom. And, like, because of the 4chan-ness of it, for large portions, it was, like, very, oh, you know, they're my, my waifu. Like, they're all, you know, they only want the human dick and blah, blah, blah. And not, like, these are characters that can be written in various ways. And so, like, one of the big pushbacks I had back in the day, and I've harped on it a million fucking times because it really stands out to me as, like, Oh yeah, this was actually some real uh, queer phobia going on. Uh, was the fact that I enjoyed reading various ship fics, and it's like, oh, lesbian horses, haha, that's so funny. And people were like deathly serious about the fact that no, we can't have gay characters. But you know, that's hindsight twenty twenty and all. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you know eventually. Well, no, it kind of does because it did result in like you have this weird conservative contingent and then you have the cross-pollination of like paul and fortune in slash mlp and then you have all the shit that happened in 2016 2015 and 2016 in the horse fandom and the internet is large as the maga cult got going and so, so everybody jumps out and then you have this this festering rot up until 2021 I wonder if the pushback against, like, no, you know, no gay shit in the pony fandom was because, you know, it is a little girl thing. So there was fear that, oh, you're going to paint me as blah, 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 and that's bad. And, you know, so you can't associate that for sure because, well, that just makes me look worse. Those people who are paranoid. No, I mean, that that is a valid concern. Like, when you also have... Like the toxic masculinity then the the nature of the fandom being a lot of dudes and people who still think they're dudes uh getting heavily into a little girl's show about pastel horses there is going to be like that weirdness inherent within it remember fuzz you and i we sat down and watched the brony doc together we watched the two parts of it and we're like man there sure are a lot of dudes that are like i'm not gay but i like horses and it's like, man, they sure, there sure are a lot of dudes that are making sure to tell us that they're not gay. Hmm. And then, of course, there's that meme. It's like that feeling when you're a brony in 2012 and it's like two paths towards the magical castle and the nice pretty day. It's like trans on the right side, white nationalist. It's like, which way, 2012 brony? <laughs> yeah, I was telling Tira that today, that that seemed to sort of be how the split came out when mm-hmm. the, the ponies... 
when people left Pony. It's like, here's here's your options that are very, very popular. It's like, yeah, you can just go on and do other things, but, you know, you might have awakened something within yourself. It might be, you know, hey, gender's a fuck, and I'm gonna be what I want, or, you know what, I really don't like minorities. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> it's like, which That's way? such a desperate thing. <laughs> yeah. Man, I sure know a lot of people in the pony community that turned out as some flavor of trans by the end. Hmm. I'm finding it hard to think of anybody that I know personally who liked ponies that isn't trans now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, getting in touch with your feminine side and having, you know, having these moments of introspection and being in li- allowing yourself to like a non-traditionally, a, a traditionally feminine thing and like connect with these characters and have these feelings and be mm. like, I wish to be... What if I wish with a little horse? Man, that would be amazing. And then on the other hoof, when we were watching the uh, the documentary, the thing that popped out to me that we were talking about was how all the interviews were, I'm not gay, it's not gay, this is totally not a gay thing, not gay at all, nope, nope, nope. So, yeah, you had those, the, like you said, the toxic masculinity, you know, I'm totally 100% hetero, kind of, and it's like, it's okay to say, no, I'm not gay, I'm straight, but the way they did it w- was very clear that they felt that being perceived as gay is a bad thing, and it's like, that's just homophobia. Yeah, it's interesting to view that in hindsight, and then, like, in comparison to Jenny Nicholson's uh, BronyCon, a fandom, the last BronyCon, a fandom autopsy, which you mentioned to me, Fuzz, is uh, actually got nominated for a Hugo Award. Yep. Best related work. That is uh, very impressive. Yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> Congrats. I mean, that's not that sneeze at a Hugo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just getting nominated and, you know, for that. Even getting nominated, and you know. Yeah. Anything she does in the future, even if it's not what she got nominated for, if it's not YouTube, if she ever puts out a book or anything like that, she could put Hugo-nominated author Jenny Nicholson on it. <laughs> and that that shit helps sell books. So, you know, good for her. That's, that's really cool. The other thing that got... So, um, let me diverge a little bit. Talk about Worldcon for just a second. Last year, there was... A lot of drama about how the Hugo Awards were presented. Uh, it was done virtually. George R. R. Martin was the host, and he mispronounced like so many people's names. You know, most of them African or Asian. You know, people of color, and that's not actually excusable because he was provided with pronunciation guides and oh. the sections that. He reads out the list of people nominated in this category are, those were all pre-recorded. That wasn't aired live. The only part that's aired live is the part, and the winner is so-and-so for this work. So a lot of people were very upset, also partially because he kept bringing up people like Bob Silverberg, John Campbell, another well-known old white guy uh, who's probably dead, (laughs) you know, Harkening back to people who were, like, a big deal in, like, the 50s and 60s, right? That had a lot of, you know, like, H.P. Lovecraft had a lot of problematic issues around them, you know, to put it mildly. And uh, there's been a lot of pushback against that shit. 
into science fiction fandom recently. He he kept bringing it back as almost like a, a fuck you. So somebody wrote a um, blog post after that ceremony. It said, George R.R. R. Martin can fuck off into the sun. <laughs> and that blog post is also nominated in this year's Hugo Award for Best Related <laughs> Work. <laughs> That's great. Which is quite a surprise. Um, the other thing that happened last year that was really, really neat was, so you, up until the year before last, they had an award for new writers to make their professional writing debut. And you're only eligible for this award for two years. It's the John W. Campbell Award for, for Best New Writer. And this author, Jeanette Ang, won the award. And during her acceptance speech for it, she pointed out how very problematic John Campbell was and that they should really not have this award named after him. So they actually did change the name to the Astounding Award, which is related because Campbell had edited a magazine called Astounding, and that's where, you know, where they took that name from. <laughs> and part of what was pissing people off was that Martin kept referring to Campbell. Well, the thing is, Jeanette Eng's speech for, uh, for her acceptance speech was a nominee also in Best Related Work for, for last year. <laughs> so... He spends the whole thing talking about how great Campbell is and completely ignoring the fact that we literally changed the name of this award because he was a racist or a sexist or, you know, he did shit. And then Jeanette Eng wins the Hugo again for her acceptance speech about why John Campbell is a piece of shit. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, there was some, some really nice karma delivered in the last couple of years with the Hugo Awards. Well, a lot of the Worldcon organization is old and dusty, and when we were dealers there in 2013, I was in my mid-30s or so, and we were some of the youngest people there, which, you know, contrasts that to a furry con. But the people that are actually getting nominated and winning the Hugos, much more diverse, a lot more queer people, a lot more women, a lot more people of color. So there, there is change being made, but you are kind of dragging an 80-year organization kicking and screaming into the 21st century. But positive things there, you know, and good luck to Jenny Nicholson on, uh, on the Hugos. <laughs> Sorry for the diversion. We can go back to Brony. Not that's, no, that's a good diversion. Okay. Very good diversion. Because it actually is well loved in my home. <laughs> One of the other things that we can also kind of shift over to is that part of the reason that Kai's here um, to talk about their experiences as furry of color, queer furry of color specifically, in our community. Because, like, one of the things that the furry fandom has certainly had over the past 25 years that I've been in the fandom is a much broader base of individuals have joined the community. Back uh -huh. in the day, um, and I have photographic proof from Anthrocon 2004, um, the number of non-white furries was shall we say very small and over the intervening decades um that has greatly changed and of course the furry fandom has to understand that well furry is for everybody first of all and that as we tr get better about this we still have like 
blind spots and stuff. Like, I remember a horrific anecdote um, from many, many years ago where an individual with whom I have lost contact and does not exist to me as far as I know, one time upon arriving at their convention and upon not seeing that there were enough, to their opinion, raccoons there, fursuiters or otherwise, exclaimed loudly, I sure wish there were more raccoons, except they didn't include the first part of the word. Right. And, you know, they weren't thinking, but I'm pretty sure this was, again, a decade plus ago. Um, Actually, probably, God, the anecdote probably dates back to around 2005 as well. Um, I'm old. We're all old. Um, Oh, God. I think I remember this story. It was a story... The con took place in a heavily African American city. It okay, was my... either it was either Memphis or Atlanta. It was either Memphis or FWA. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to name them, and I don't even know where they're at these days. But yeah, it was one of those anecdotes where you hear this story about a person and go, "Oh my god!" Even back then, and now looking at it back in today and going, "Jesus Christ!" Imagine someone saying that today and not getting their ass beat. By just bystanders. I'm amazed it didn't happen back then because the majority of the hotel staff was African American. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy. And they did this in the lobby. And, like, fuck. <laughs> you know? At least they didn't yell it at their furry friend across a Walmart produce aisle. Well, oh. That sounds like a story. I swear I told you that story. I, I know this. I think I know this story, but yeah. Um, so my naive northeastern ass did not know that was a slur. Oh no! And mm. my good friend, who I moved down to Texas with, plays a character that's half raccoon and half uh, tanuki. <sighs> and online, you know, nickname has always been you know coonboy. Oh no! I had oh. no idea that this was a slur. And, you know, his, he is of dark complexion, as was his other half of that time, and she used it, so I didn't think of anything about it. So, hey, I know I've gone to Walmart and say, hey, you know, yelling, do you want one of these? Like, like that across a, you know, no one said anything to me. And then oh. later on, I found out it was a slur, and I thought for sure that they were pulling my leg. <laughs> yeah. And we had a whole round of, no, you're shitting me. That, that's not a slur. And no, there was a, there was a good deal of like draw, jaw dropping. It's like, no, you are pulling my fucking leg. That is not a slur. How is that possibly a slur for someone of African American descent? Mm. And lo and behold, I was wrong. But my northeastern ass had no clue that this was a slur. I never used it again. Oh, but right. my, uh, I was horrified. When I found out that I had been doing that, they thought it was hysterical because they knew I had no clue. And this was like back in 2000, 2001, 2002, that. And so, you know, they knew that I was completely, you know, naive. And especially them laughing at me when I figured out that it was a slur and what I had been doing. I felt six inches tall, horrified, embarrassed because, yeah, that's... I was raised not to do that in any way, shape, or form. Like, that was an ass-tanning offense to even think about using a slur towards anybody. Yeah. Of any descent. 
That's all right. I grew up in Atlanta, and I didn't even know that until I got older. And I'm like, oh, but yeah, like I said, at least they didn't yell across a Walmart produce section in Garland, Mm. Texas. (laughs) Uh, Oh, the slurs you'll learn, especially by Shiva. I think I yelled it down the bread aisle, too. Nice. I mean, it is a thing that, like, when you have a broader base of people that are in your community, you need to be a little more uh, cognizant. And as furries are not always the most socially well-adjusted or even the most knowledgeable, because, like you said, Shiva, you didn't even know, you didn't have a background with that. This this is not, like, confessions of hate crimes or, like, <laughs> our family sucked or we were dumb. It's like, well, I mean, we were dumb when we were younger, but... Well, like I said, it was it was a nickname online. It was a nickname used by, you know, the friends group. When I got here, I had no idea. And the, the moment I found out, it was just like, what the fuck? And he's like, I yelled that in Walmart. He says, we know. It's like, I could have gotten my ass kicked. So, yeah. The regret is what makes you a good yeah. person. Not regret horror. Mm-hmm. Well, we all learned, thankfully. Like, you know, I grew up with a racist, so confessions of my family would be like a five part fucking podcast series. But... <laughs> so we won't go into that. Uh, but, Kai, we wanted to talk to you about your. Uh, your I mean, it's interesting because, like, uh, I'm still kind of discovering how my life is different simply for how I look. Uh, because I am a quarter uh, Puerto Rican. My grandmother uh, is native Puerto Rican, and so I have skin that varies between passing white and very dark, depending on how much sun I get in the summer. And uh, my grandmother uh, immigrated into New York, and when she uh, met her her husband they had kids, they decided we're going to raise these kids as if they're white. We're not going to teach them any Spanish or anything like that. They're just going to be like normal white kids here, so nobody picks on them, which they kind of had to back in the, uh, that was probably the mid-early 60s. Uh, New York wasn't so hot for Puerto Ricans back then. And then as my parents uh, had me, uh, my dad didn't know any Spanish. He didn't know anything other than living like a white person, uh, although he looks a lot more Puerto Rican than I do. Um, there were moments in my, my childhood growing up when we would be just working around the home fixing up some stuff and, and people would walk up to us assuming that we were uh, hired labor, not actually people that work there. And I would just pass that off as, oh, you know, that's, that's just what people do. It's okay. It's innocent. It probably was mostly innocent, but I didn't connect that to our skin color until later on in my life. I didn't even think about the fact that I was mostly raised as if I'm white until last year just to protect me from this and try to give me a quote-unquote normal life. Uh, meanwhile, when I was in middle school or high school, I tried to join Hispanic communities, but I acted too white and I kind of looked too white for them. And I tried to join a lot of white communities and I was a bit too dark for them and ended up just, you know, hanging out with awkward nerds as you do. Most of those awkward nerds still hang out with today, but, you know, I'm discovering this gave me a kind of isolated experience. Thankfully, by the time I started going to conventions and stuff, uh, the world became a little bit more knowledgeable about this. The internet had been established for quite a while. I think the first the first convention I didn't staff I actually attended was Nightmare Nights 2016. So, 
Wow. We're a bit into it back then. At least in Dallas, we have pretty diverse mix of people. So I, mm-hmm. I can't speak to the con, but I can imagine that it was not as totally white looking as, you know, like an early 90s furry con would be. Probably not, although I don't remember. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, there's quite the diverse group of people there, too. Yeah. Uh, people think about the black population, of course, that's uh, it's a majority black city. But there's also a rather notable uh, Korean and Indian population there as well. So I didn't really think too much about race when I was growing up, simply because I was exposed to a lot of people that looked different in various different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me... Like, I grew up on the north side of Fort Worth, which is extremely heavily Hispanic. And when I was in, like, traditional schooling, basically most of my fellow students were, like, yeah, there was a lot of white kids, but a lot of Vietnamese and a lot... Actually, we didn't really have a lot of black kids back in the day. I mean, this was, like, private Catholic school, so, like, you didn't have a lot of uh, black Catholics, like... In general, like, I'm pretty sure that's not a very well-represented demographic, but like, I had a lot of, uh, Southeast Asian students, uh, fellow students and whatnot. Um, and so like, I at least grew up with that kind of like background, like all my friends when I was growing up are like majority of them are Hispanic because they were the neighborhood kids. Um, so like, at least I had that, but like, I'm still, I'm white as hell, like ultra fucking white. Mm. You know, my 23 and me was like, hey, you're like hella white, dude. Um, <laughs> and I've been tempted to, like, take another one of those. But then again, they give the DNA database to the FBI. So, like, they already got my DNA. Yeah, but, don't. Like, I don't want to give them fresh DNA. Is there, like, more they could tell from your sample now than when you did it? Or? I don't know, man. They're going to be like, oh, this person, well, they sure come a lot. It's because they changed their DNA. Oh, this person, well, they uh, they like spicy food. Oh, this person has a allergy to cats, but not dogs. You know, I don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes there, but... Well, your DNA can tell you, um, you know, anal length. Um, is... It's like, oh, well, this person's a size queen. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, like, even then, like, even though I was raised around other basically non-white people and all my friends were Hispanic, I was still an an ignorant dumbass when it comes to a lot of things. It's like, it it, it is when you, you know, you're older and you can reflect on things. You go, oh shit, that was stupid. Like we talked a little bit at the start of this segment where, you know, Shiva said us didn't know. And like, I shared the anecdote about the person asking the, there needs to be more raccoons at this fur con and not saying Mm -hmm. the first part of it. But like, do you think kai that the fandom is at least doing better i mean like yeah I mean, when it, it comes to like cons we kind of have a year gap of info the fandom feels like a safe space to me in a way that the the brony fandom never really did one of the conventions that i did staff before i ever attended any was nerdicon in columbus uh, columbus also a majority black city but it also always felt a little uh you know i, I felt out of place and i Again, it was one of those moments where I didn't even recognize why until later. And that's definitely one of them. Oh, uh, Nerdicon, not a furry convention. Just a generic, mm-hmm. not Comic-Con. Like, I don't think it's an inherent difference necessarily between what furry cons are and what other general fandom things are. But I do know that we furry community does skew a lot gayer. And a lot, so it's a lot more queer, which 
in most cases, but not all, does invite people to be a little bit more intersectional when it comes to their uh, understanding of differences, you would think. Because, um, like, one of the things that has become, like, attracts, like, furries of color, have their own meetups, they have their own panels. Um, you know, occasionally we have the people that are dipshits that are like, hey, look, there's a furries of color party at this con, and there's a bunch of crackers getting really mad that they're not invited, when, like, on the invite, it's, uh, not, doesn't exclude anybody, but, like, and if you're a white furry, you can be somebody's plus one, but, you know, people just getting insanely mad at the notion of there's a, a furs a color party that they can't automatically go to, and it's like, do you really think you're gonna get invited, you know? <laughs> It's like, do you think you're cool enough to get invited to that party? It's like that's a little... girlfriend and I were talking about that yesterday. Actually, I was thinking like there should be a social network or or a section of a social network at least that's uh, completely people of color, simply because like we've had these uh, spaces which are even if they didn't start exclusively white, like they could have started non-white and then white people like subsumed them. Uh, Brewing is one of the ones I just discovered. Like beer brewing used to be uh, something that uh, what was it women, uh, especially black women, had uh, as their industry until it became, uh, for lack of a better term, gentrified and and one of these things that hipsters do now. And and I was talking about this with my girlfriend, which uh, both of my partners are also just about as white as you, Seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fifth generation uh, American white people, and. Her immediate reaction was, well, that's terrible. Don't exclude people. Wait. And then I I chatted about her for like two seconds before she realized, oh, yeah, if you're cut out of spaces for centuries, you might want to carve out a space for yourself and cut out those who've been cutting you out. And that's that's basically my only experience of anything regarding racism to me is being cut out of spaces. Like, I don't even... uh, have any connection to my my native ancestry and i wouldn't even know how to find that i'm pretty sure my grandmother doesn't know that either puerto rico's been uh, taken over for so long there's just no connection anymore hmm. i'm sure some do but my family doesn't i was recalling a, a web comic that kind of succinctly describes what what you were talking about where there's like a a group of people they're like you're different from us we don't want you here (laughs) and they're like fine we'll go make our own space we've made our own space they're like hey we want to come into your space too oh no yeah yeah the oh no comics those are very good yeah and that that's what i think of when i see people bitching about a a furries of color party it was specifically like mff i think it was like the first one that they had and I, I just saw the tweet, and I thought, oh, that's cool. Good for them. You know, I hope they can have fun and network and maybe make some new friends. But pe- people reacted like they'd been cut off from something. And I'm like, there's like a dozen parties a night at a big furry con, you know? And a lot of them are not invite-only. They're just open room parties like Mm -hmm. other cons run con parties like you can go and have a drink and mingle with people at so many places on on a typical night at a furry con let alone just going down to the bar 
or going to the dance or something. But like, oh, you know, like one tenth of the con, you, you know, it's not even that you can't access it. It's just that it's de- not designated as specifically for you, and they get all freaking bent out of shape about it. It's it's the same kind of people that say, why isn't there a White History Month? And it's like, yeah, bitch, let me tell you, but every month is White History Month. Yeah. So suffice to say, I don't understand those um, people with with that kind of attitude. You know. Yeah, my mantra has been: uh, I, I shouldn't try to ascribe a reason to unreasonable behavior. Yeah, sometimes it does help. Kind of know where someone's coming from, I guess, and then maybe if it's somebody you care about and they have a piss poor opinion about something, and you want to explain to them why what they think is bad and understand why they think that, then then it's worthwhile. But, no, your yeah. random Twitter fuckwit, you know, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think part of it is, I think this is a group of people who aren't used to being shut out of things, or at least not the target audience, by subtext. Like, people of color, there are certain places that for bad reasons they they know without being told that they are not welcome there either it's overtly said or it's you know just a tone of a room a tone of an event of a club of whatever and unfortunately that's kind of that's what they grew up with that's how everything was framed and now here's a group of people who've never had to deal with that subtext except for maybe oh that's a bad part of town don't go there you know they're not used to having that vibe of this is not for you they're used to the default setting of it's for everybody well everybody is white mm-hmm. and and they're finally getting a taste of their own medicine and they're not liking it yeah and it kind yeah. of sucks doesn't it guys <laughs> just a bit yeah i mean at least when people get mad about that it's like hey we're gonna show our whole ass on twitter.com it makes it really easy to know who you don't want to hang out with and fuck with on twitter.com you know yeah it's like, oh, this person with an American flag in their bio, and then they're getting mad about a party that they could go to if they wanted to, but they're making noise about on Twitter. Huh? well. I'm being silenced. Yeah, and then they end up on... Help, help, I'm being oppressed. <laughs> yeah, like, if they literally had the mythical black friend that they claim that they have, they mm-hmm. could go as a plus one, but they don't actually have a, quote, black friend. So they get all pissy about it. And, I don't love it. Yeah. Just, uh, but no, yeah, Shiva, that's that's exactly it. They're not used to being told no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when the world is your oyster, you know, and you don't you don't realize that you don't realize the, the level of privilege that you have your whole life. And then you encounter that no for the first time, you know they get upset about it you can see various examples of this um well kind of curling back towards the front of the episode you know the the anti-maskers when they get arrested by the cops you know they're you know generally white people being told no for the first time in a while and they get super uppity and then whoops they're getting arrested um or 
the anti-masker that was being ultra racist to the Middle Eastern couple in like a Walgreens and then the cops got there and showed up and arrested her and she was like but I didn't do anything wrong it's like you you literally called her the n-word on video in the middle of a store with your mask off after they were telling you put your mask on the same vibes I got during the insurrection yeah it's like you just got told no you can't actually have the thing and it's a tantrum Um, Mm -hmm. Have you seen the statements of the guy who had his feet on Pelosi's desk talking about how how unjust it is that he's still waiting in jail? And it's like, well, we're sorry to fucking inconvenience you, buddy. You know? Like a piece of shit. It's hilarious. But hey, we're finally starting to catch some of the first guilty pleas on those guys. So that'll be interesting. Yes, some, Speaking uh, apparent- of guilty be, uh, guilty verdicts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I liked uh, Robert Evans of uh, Behind the Bastards. It's a bad day for chauvinists. Yeah. Fuck that guy. This is a Derek tweet. Derek Chauvin, uh, specifically. Derek Chauvin. So this yeah. is a, a, a TikTok that I saw. There was a lady came on and she's like, Look, you're all mispronouncing his name. It's French. It's pronounced murderer. (laughs) You know, it is incredibly fucked up that it came as a surprise that that guy was pronounced guilty on all three counts. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody was on edge that was paying attention to it. Everybody was ready to throw down. The National Guard was activated in, like, Portland and Seattle and all these other cities around here. And then he's guilty. And instead of massive protests, there were people grilling outside the courthouse. Like, the the masked (laughs) people that were ready to essentially throw down when they were like, actually, no, he's uh, found guilty and remanded into custody immediately. It kind of turned into a minor celebration and people being like, you know, and I don't blame them because holy shit, like I, it would not have been very pretty at all if they let that fucker off. We were told to deny what we'd seen with our eyes and ears that he motherfucker murdered him. That was, uh, that immediately remanded into custody is also a very big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. But it was a very quick part of the process when I watched it live where, you know, the judge is like anything else. And uh, the prosecutor is like, yeah, take his bail away. We want him to be held until sentencing as opposed to going home and chillaxing for 15 days or however long it is until the sentencing apparently that's something that they they generally don't do with cops at least and generally don't do unless you're like a huge fucking evil bastard you know like jeffrey dahmer level kind of shit right so yeah the fact that they were like we want him to be immediately jailed and held until sentencing the judge was like you got it bang that's a big deal. And yeah, the uh, defendant was really surprised. You could see the shock in his eyes. And honestly, I was surprised. I thought, you know, I thought maybe the most we'll get was like the manslaughter charge, but but not murder too. And the fact that he was found guilty on all three counts, like, on, on the other hand, though, it's also nothing to celebrate. At the same time, it's like mm-hmm. a man is dead. He was 
murdered on video from multiple angles over the course of nine minutes. And it took burning down the fucking police precinct and protests in multiple cities for a fucking year mm-hmm. before justice finally happened. Like, it took ages for him to even be arrested. And it's just justice for one person, too. Like, it's not... Like, even in this one murder, it's not just him. It's also, like, the entire... The structure that led up to him thinking that that was an okay thing to do. There's there's other people who are more guilty in the shadows, but still equally guilty. And, And there's the two or three... First of all, there's the two or three other officers that were on the scene with him... And nobody fucking pulled him off this man's neck. He'd yeah. be like, okay, you know, he's unconscious or he's he's clearly not going anywhere. You can, you can stop, you know, restraining him now. You know, there's that photograph that goes around. It's like a picture of nine cops that actually did the right thing. Then it all got fired. And, you know, one of them is stop their partner from doing police brutality on somebody and they got fired for doing that so yeah the other cops around him of course they didn't step in and fucking stop him but you're right that's that's systemic yeah and it's all thanks to that that fucking grossman guy who literally wrote the book on cop training and he's like a an ex-military contractor guy goes to all of these precincts and basically trains police. So when people are like, all they need is more training to be able to handle this variety of situations that we throw them into. The training is literally how to suppress your natural feeling that you don't want to kill somebody and how to like push that emotion away and, and just not care and just how to see people outside of yourself as less than human and think of it as just executing an animal which i mean i don't know about you but i can't even execute a fucking animal you know most most people can so it's like yeah it's the training it's the the whole system it's literally i mean there were fucking slave catchers back in the day i mean it's it's not one bad apple the whole institution is rotten to the core and you know when when we say fund the police or dismantle policing i get that that sounds extreme and why people push back on that but when you look at like the actual suggestions in the bills that are being proposed they're all very reasonable it's sort of like why do you send a cop with a gun to take care of someone who's having a a mental health crisis you send a couple of fucking nurses that work at the you know, the, a psych, psychology place or a mental health clinic or something like that. And they're, they're fucking trained to handle strong, large people who are flipping the fuck out. They do it all day. And they are not armed, you know? Talk someone down or take someone out without killing them. Well, I think Dose it was... Them up and, I was going to say, I think it was Denver that actually has... Or it was there was a city that has done this where they've basically made a mental health unit to help people 
in having crises to go in. They're not armed cops. They're like nurses and shit to actually do this. And surprise, surprise, none of those people have gotten killed. Whereas, yeah. like, we had – hell, I think we had a situation here in DFW a bit ago where it was, it Arlington was, a, was having you know, himself so a problem. There's a white dude from – it was a white dude who lived in Rockwall. Okay. Which and, – and this is what – what made the news basically is like it's sort of a nice area of the metroplex to live in right it's a more yeah. expensive area it's so like the cops were like making fun of where he lived like oh you live in rockwall you know you must be like they all pointy-toity or whatever you know like they were basically giving him shit about it but he was having a mental health crisis he was in downtown dallas um they subdued him they shoved him his face into the ground to the point that he couldn't breathe and then they just left him there. And then one of them was like, he hasn't moved in a while. You should check on him. Like, oh, oh, he said. Well, shit, I was talking about another one where, like, someone was having a mental health crisis. The cops just showed up and blew him away. Which Oh, okay. Well, well see, the thing know, is, it's like... There's never... What, do you have any idea how little that narrows it down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, when you have the state monopoly on violence, then can use it with unconditional immunity in many cases. I, I think... Obviously, you shouldn't trust the fucking cops, ever. But I think a lot of people are starting to really realize that, even white people. Like, the cops aren't your friend. They don't stop yeah. crime. They just show up after the fact and tell you they're not going to do shit about your phone that got pickpocketed. They're going to show up and tell you not to press charges. You know, they're going to show up and tell you that, oh, well, you know, nothing we can do. In many cases, like, they're more interested in pulling people over and generating revenue for the city than actually solving crimes. So, like, the most useful thing they do is they protect capital, and that's not useful to us as individuals. And so, like, the fact that we have one cop that got a little bit of accountability, I mean, certainly not justice. The other three cops that were involved in that, they're on trial in August. So, like, they're still going to trial. And the fact that Chauvin was convicted in all three will probably affect them as well. I had a dentist appointment on Tuesday and prior to the announcement and like we were talking about it. She was like, yeah, it's such a terrible shame. That thing was terrible. That the whole situation sucks. And like, I want to see him convicted, but we both had agreed essentially that, yeah, like the most we expected was the manslaughter. They, that like they were going to let him skate on the actual serious shit and be like, oops, he did a whoopsie doodle and accidentally killed the guy versus no, he maliciously did it. So there's been a lot of like news, various cops killing people as, as they do. And so like, they you know, literally killed somebody in Ohio as the verdict was being read. Yeah, and there was what had initially been pointed out as, like, a school shooter at some school. Like, two cops confronted a African-American kid at his high school in the bathroom, and they claimed that he shot at them, when in fact the cop that came in and pulled his gun on him slipped and shot himself in the leg, and then they murdered the kid. Fuck's sake. Yeah, like, the cops... Just because, like, one dude got a little bit of accountability doesn't mean that, like, cops aren't fucking rotten to the core. Needless to say, the only blue life that matters is Sonic the Hedgehog. So, Kai had to leave. They had something happen and needed to bounce. So, oh, no. uh, thanks to them for joining. And hopefully, uh, the good guest and maybe we'll have him back in the past. They're a long-term supporter of the pod. And 
I did not know that they had attended Nightmare Nights 2016. That's wild. God, I've, I've influenced so many people in weird ways that I didn't know. I think you just forgot because I remember talking to Kai at that con and it was kind of a thing. And it's like, oh, have you found, gotten to say hi to Saverin? Yeah, but he, he was really busy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I, it, I it, think it, I you just that. slept since then. Yeah, I've slept yeah. since then, and, like, most of those are now just a blur in my mind. But, again, like, it's mm. just one of those, oh, yeah, you, you've been around a long time. That's neat. But, hopefully, their contribution is interesting, and maybe we'll be able to have them back in the future. Um, Not an emergency hitting. Yeah. <laughs> said, something just happened. I got a bounce. It's like, oh, well, hopefully that whatever it was is works out okay, because that's... Never fun when, like, oops, gotta bounce. So, in other news, the straights are at it again. And this is one of those things that even the Consumer Product Safety Commission has posted a tweet about it. Them and their very weird memes. Whereupon they're like, do a cake, not an IED. An individual in New Hampshire to let the world know the configuration of their child's genitals prior to it being born set off 80 pounds of tannerite in a quarry that shook windows across two states. This is in New Hampshire, which is not exactly a big state, but the fact that it was felt in Vermont or whatever adjacent state. Mass. It um, was mass. <laughs> I read the article. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is quite impressive. Like, okay, Shiva, these are your people. Explain this. Boredom? <laughs> Access to explosive? Why not explosion it up? Shiva, come get your boy. (laughs) No, I went look because it's like okay, New Hampshire. Let me see what they did. Is it Vermont? Because there's a lot of New Hampshire that like straddles the river, so it wouldn't be too hard to make windows rattle in Vermont if you were one of the edge towns. And I went and said, oh, it was Mass. Ah, okay, that's a bit farther away. Not a border town, but yeah. Yeah. So the ridiculous thing here is this person used 80 pounds of tannerite, which, if you buy in bulk, is still around $650 worth of explosive. That, because it's a binary explosive, you can just fucking buy at, like, Cabela's, apparently? Which, you know, that's fun to know. Also, that the fact that they sell gender reveal kits that are tannerite... Uh, a gen- Tannerite gender reveal boombox is $90 at Shields, and Sky Tactical offers a blue or pink for $66.49. And it's like, it reveals everything you need for gender reveal with color places, powder, and a one-pound brick of Tannerite. So you put the Tannerite in the thing, you put the powder of your choice, like which which configuration you got, pink or blue, and then you shoot the thing and it explodes. Because there is nothing more blazingly heterosexual than shooting a box of colored powder to make it explode to let people know what your kid's junk looks like. Like, it's your kid is like a low-functioning potato for the first, first 12 months. Like, we don't need to know what their genitals look like, okay? But no, this they have to do the gender reveal. Then everybody has got to step it up a notch because we've had... You know, forest fires and plane crashes and IEDs killing the father prior to the child's birth because they were making gender reveal pipe bombs accidentally. But an 80 pound cube of tannerite, like, it's not the same as dynamite, 
You don't have to have a special license to purchase. You can just get this shit. And a guy got 80 pounds of it because he needed to make a gender reveal crater. That is, uh, that is quite the thing. When the government Twitter account is like, hey, do a cake, not an explosive. Um, yeah. You know that you probably fucked up. Yeah. <sighs> and as a good news thing, in the news a bit ago, uh, Rep. Amadi, Amari Hardy, who is Florida representative for District 88, he had posted about a bill in the Florida, uh, Florida House of Representatives that would not only ban trans kids from playing sports, but also subject kids whose sex may be disputed to genital inspections. It's like, your kid looks suspicious, or we're just going to be a dick, so we're going to force you to let your kid have their genitals looked at. And somehow... Sandy slightly prevailed on the fact that it died in the Florida Senate. But the fact that these laws are being suggested at all is literally insane and is just cultural culture war bullshit that the Republicans are continually pushing to target the most vulnerable minorities that they can find. Like, they've already lost the plot when it comes to gays. Like, nobody mm -hmm. gives a shit if you're queer anymore, but gender non-conforming kids, we have to try to put them into their little boxes, by God. And, like, some of these laws that are trying to get passed and immediately getting sued against, um, like in Arkansas, and I'm sure Texas has one, and I know the other states have as well. Yeah, didn't Texas just shoot down one? Did we? I had not heard the, uh, like, the update on that. Yeah, like, there was one in Texas that they were like, oh, if you affirm your kid's gender, we'll take them away. And, like, it was a law, it was one put forth that was not exactly expected to get anywhere, but the fact that people are introducing such laws shows the insane evil of the Republican Party. And, like, there was another, governor of Kansas said that they had a bill that passed, and they were like, I'm, I'm gonna veto this, fuck you. Uh, turns out the- Well, he said he didn't disagree with it, but- Well, no, I think- But, dot, dot, but he in, still vetoed it. In can no, that was Arkansas, but in Kansas, they have a Democratic yeah. governor- and they were like, this would just take jobs out of the, the state. We're not going to pass laws that cost our state money. I mean, you literally have to hit them in the pocketbook because you had like the baseball took the all-star game out of Georgia because of their voting laws. And that's caused them to get their panties in a bunch. It's like, oh, hey, you know, we're going to try to disenfranchise the minorities that gave Georgia to the Democrats as hard as possible and then when businesses are pushing back against it they're like hey no fair we don't want you to do political speech we want you to do political speech in the form of giving us money you don't want to have yeah. we don't want your opinion we just want your money but that is a tiny tiny slice of good news that well this horrible stupid law in florida one of many 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 got knocked down and is not going to become a law though you know florida and states in general love their unconstitutional laws that have to be sued out of existence so this is going to be an eternal fight until this generation of Republicans is thrown into the sea via old age or literally, you know, it's one of those things some days like, give me three wishes. It's like, oh, no Republicans, no cops. And then, eh, I don't know, infinite tacos. Anyways, <laughs> that about covers all the shit that I've put into the things. Um, since we are at an hour and a half on the raw, um, we should probably wrap this up because it's like also nearly 10 p.m. On the raw. Yep. Well, this episode will have a lot of editing to it. So if Saverin had to edit this on a Windows computer, would that make it a WinRAR? Yes. This would, in fact, win be a WinRAR. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's probably wrap this up. You cannot find me on Twitter. Do not perceive me. 
Um, you can find the show, though, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Beyond that, I'm cutting back on my Twitter. And so, too, are you, Fuzz. But where can they buy your books? Uh, for planet.com, for print editions, and baddogbooks.com for the electronic kind. Very good. Buy some books, because you've got some good stuff coming out. Um, there's a new Ritz comic that I've seen. There's some good, like, special editions of some stuff coming out that look really nice. Like, the color difference of Predators of Kilimanjaro that you showed me looks really cool. So if it gets to come out, that will be nice. So yeah, some new books coming out on For Planet. It's a shame we can't show them off to you at cons this year, but hey, that's just how it goes sometimes. 2022, baby, let's go. Uh, get your shots so we can go back to cons again, please. I uh, mean, we're going to apply at MFF. Um, Tyrion's going to go to MFF whether we have tables to deal at or not because he really enjoys that con and he'll be seriously fucking jonesing for one by uh, December. So maybe we'll have stuff there. But, you know, if not, you can at least say how to tear it. <laughs> I don't know what I'll be doing then. I'm sort of halfway considering doing Worldcon. It's in December this year in Washington, D.C. It's so not too before... far. Yeah, and it's the week before Christmas. I expect it to be a smaller Worldcon than normally. Usually they're, they're Labor Day, but due to COVID and one of their hotels declared bankruptcy and then they had to work out a contract they had to get lawyers involved with that to get their money back and then they had to work out a contract deal with their remaining hotel so for the first time in 78 years of Worldcon, it's moving dates so it's in december you know i might go just to like network with people on the sci-fi side of things i don't even know if i'd have a table or not but but woo, furry siesta, maybe, in a couple of months. Yep, we're starting to pick up that. Short of Clay Jenkins being like, we had a massive outbreak and now no groups over 200 can get together, uh, it'll it'll happen. Because the yeah. state is open for business. Yep. Yep. All right, well, beyond that... Look forward to more episodes coming soon. Hopefully, hey, and actually now that we're able to get together, like, I don't know, if, I don't think we're going to do a sit down, like, talk about interspecies reviewers since we did sit and finish that series out and then watched a bunch of episodes of uh, first half of Monster Musume the other weekend. But it, finish that. it is now to the point where we're kind of like, hey, we can sit down and watch some stuff and hopefully sit down and record some movie shit again. Stuff for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash SouthPawsCast. Buy our books. Uh, well, that's not how that works. Um, <laughs> use our coupon code NOD at AdamandEve.com. Buy yourself some lingerie and or a dong. <sighs> so on the note, kids. Maybe you could get a book like The Ethical Slut or something. Because I think they sell some books. I'm sure they Adam do. Uh, so on that note, good night. And buy books. <laughs>